Hi there. Colleen Hunt from Gluten-Free Gold based in Delago, Panama. And um, this is our second episode. I'm going to go back and talk about uh, when I was first creating my company in Canada. Uh, I didn't know hands-on wise, what would be the most successful avenue? Uh, yeah, I have to think that back then in 2012, in some countries, gluten-free baking was emerging. and But it was still pretty under the wire in Canada. So um, I'd looked at my life the last 15 years as an equipment mechanic um, terrified of going into work every day, thinking I was going to be electrocuted. Uh, the equipment I uh, I worked on was either production or it was uh, research. Uh, I wasn't comfortable working with electricity at all. And um, uh, when I went to school, they they graphically discussed what would happen with you if you made mistakes and and it really stuck in my head so here I was um uh 15 years working as a mechanic uh 52 years old 51 52 and I decided that I wanted to have something that I looked forward to every morning something that it would be nice if it gave me the paycheck that I was making at the time, but I was at the point in my life that I wanted more meaning and to be able to, to prove that I, I could be successful, that this decision that I made was not a mistake and that this is what I should be doing. Of course, the my external desires and persona that I gave to people was I was going to make a decent income and I was going to enjoy the leisure life of being self-employed, which is, if you look back in it, or if you have any experiences, uh, uh, laughing itself right there. And I was going to be profitable. But with the gluten-free business being such a just emerging market, I thought it was best that I diversified. The problem when you're providing gluten-free uh, products, for me anyways, because my my standards for my product were really high. Um, I wanted it to be fresh and I wanted it to taste good. But if there isn't anyone there to buy, then you're throwing your money in the garbage, so to speak. So starting the farmer's markets, I was trying to feel what was right and, and what direction I should go in. And um, try enough of a diversity of, of avenues to see what was best. So gluten-free was expensive. And like I said, if you didn't sell it that day, um, which in the beginning... We have had a hard time. We gave it away or, or uh, mostly gave it away or threw things out. You could only keep so much, and it wasn't in my heart to resell it after freezing. But that didn't feel good. So I tried to explore different avenues of, of income and revenue that would uh, benefit me if it wasn't sold that day. So. 
I started the gluten-free baking uh, business and uh, expanded my recipes, but then I started um, pickling and canning. And because I am a little bit of an overachiever, the uh, canning and pickling, and just like the gluten-free baking, um, become addictive. I didn't want to do what everyone else did. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to uh, stand out. I wanted to give people choices because a lot of people didn't have choices. So within the first year and a half, uh, I expanded from, uh, lived on an acreage at the time in uh, northern Alberta. And I had gone, I had a 50 by 100 foot garden that I tended to in my spare time. And that provided me with the vegetables for a lot of my, my canning and pickling. And then by the third year, I think I had three 50-foot by 100-foot gardens. We had an orchard of old apple trees that was on the property when we bought it. And uh, we worked on getting that to produce again. We had, a, I think, a 60-foot by 4-foot deep uh, stand of uh, raspberries. Uh, 65 foot by four foot wide stand of rhubarb. Uh, just before I left uh, Canada, I was using about a thousand pounds of uh, rhubarb a year. Blackberries, uh, choke cherries, raspberries, strawberries, like you name it. We by the time I left Canada, we had about 21 different fruits that were producing on the property. So here I am. I'm uh, uh, cultivating my my uh, recipe uh, lists and my backups and uh, the markets that I'm going to. Finding that uh, canning did make a difference in the income. You had the uh, outlay of money at first. It had to sit for a couple months. That was fine. But it was good for, for a year and actually got better. So after the first year and a half, I was up to, I think, 100 different varieties, 18 different marmalades, jams, pickles, relishes, chutneys, uh, you name it. If it was weird and it was different, I was doing it. But it got to the point that it was uh, an addiction. A, f a fun one, but uh, uh, one that involved a lot of work. So that was a way for uh, me to have a steadier income. But I got to the point that I had so much stock. My husband at the time was worried about the weight load on the second floor of the house. That, um, And we had built that second floor so a truck could go over it. Uh, the entire master bedroom suite from floor to ceiling had uh, uh, canning jars. And I was at the point I was putting eight to 10,000 jars uh, down every, every year. So I, I remember distinctly, I went, okay, we have the gluten-free baking and we have the canning. Now that was offering me uh, more success. So now we had two different markets that were coming to the table. Uh, 
And if one person liked one thing, they would remember us for the other thing, or they would mention it to another person. I had just gotten back from a supply run into the city, and I had bought an entire truckload of canning supplies. I think it was $1,200 worth of canning supplies. And it was sitting in the corner of my dining room, uh, 10 foot by 10 foot by uh, 8 foot or 9 foot high uh, mass of jars. Uh, it didn't make sense to carry them upstairs to bring them downstairs again when I need them. And the manager of the market uh, the two markets, actually, that I was attending at the time now, um, she called me up and she said, I have an idea for you. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, I think you should offer frozen gluten-free meals. And I said, oh, Diane, you, like, you're so late in asking me to do this. She said, well, no one is uh, offering them, and I think that you would do really well. Well, the one thing I can say about this journey is that when someone brings something up for me, even though it might not be something that I want to hear, I'll step back from it, I pick up the problem, I look at it from all angles, and if it feels right gut-wise, if my intuitions say, yeah, you should go for it, I go for it. I'll, I'll deal with the problems later. But if it feels right, it's supposed to be done at that time. So I thought about that night. And by the morning, I called her up. I said I was going to do it. I had three or four different recipes that I figured would uh, go well. And then within the next three to four months, we had a line of, of frozen meals and foods. In my spare time when I wasn't doing stuff for the for the <clears throat> baking or the canning, I was doing um, three or four different varieties of uh, pierogies. Uh, we had lasagnas, soups, pot pies, pie crusts, cookie dough, you name it. So now I was at the point that we had a diversified uh, product line that kept up to a year with the canning and up to a month, month and a half for the frozen. And then we had the fresh. So it started providing a, a pretty decent income. Um, and it was starting to pick off. Uh, we had five 20 cubic foot freezers and I was filling and emptying them every two weeks. Which... You sit back and look back now at the pictures and the stories and, and, and you just, how are you, how are you able to do that? I had two part-time people that would uh, help me, uh, each of them a couple days, a couple days uh, a week. And um, basically I was doing everything else myself. But it was good. It, it, it was it was an eye-opener that one thing couldn't be the be-all and end-all. Uh, one of those freezers was for uh, freezing the fruit or the vegetables that I needed for my supplies for the baking. Um, 
by the second year, we had taken over the uh, total main floor of the house, which was uh, just under 1,000 square feet, and the second story, which was 1,000 square feet. And that's when we got the offer from the internet company after my presentation that they wanted to carry our line. And I had to look at the house, and the house wasn't going to be big enough. But it wasn't it was also not affordable to buy or lease something in uh, Edmonton at the time because it was the peak of the the real estate market there. And uh, I was looking at something eight hundred or nine hundred thousand dollars for a facility that was going to be big enough. I think that was another one of the factors included when I made my decision to to move down to Panama. Move down to Panama and try to uh, stress-free my life. I had so many people that had that had said to me, are, are, are you okay? Uh, are, are you uh, sick or something? Because I had run myself into the ground so hard. And it was it was getting to the point. The farmers market life is not is not uh, sunshine and roses. You, you work hard. You work really hard. And by the end of the summer, you have caught up from your debt from the winter, and then you go into it again. Well, for me, anyways. My my sales had increased. I had a, a fantastic reputation, but I had to start looking at at. Uh, did I want to do that and run myself into the ground? Or did I want to enjoy life for a change? I, I had been working like that the seven days a week for as long as I can remember. And I just thought that it was time to to enjoy life before I, before I died because the way I was working, I was, I, I was digging a, an early grave. And then you figured there, there's also the, the, the promise of go to a, a foreign country and live the good life. And, and, uh, that, that, that has definitely happened. I, uh, Walk every day, if at all possible. I exercise every day. I live a very simple life here. Enjoy the the laid back pace of of people that are interested in in what you feel like and what you are doing, instead of people interesting in what you have and what you ha got for them. That is that it's it's such a different culture. Here when you do business, you don't jump into the business right away during a meeting. You ask how your family is, how you are. The niceties of life that seem to not exist anymore. So 
If I had to wrap this up in a ball, a pretty little package, yeah, I went overboard. Yeah. But my personality is if you are committed to doing something, you're going to do it 100%. And you are going to give it your all so you don't ever have to look back and say, you know what, if I did this or if I did that, maybe it would turn out different. So what I had was a business that was starting to thrive, an internet deal that were saying that they wanted my product. The, the company is an international company. They had just moved in to Canada, and they were doing, they had just started doing um, uh, British Columbia and Alberta, but they were already very established in uh, Seattle and the California, California area. And uh, they were talking about bringing my product down there after uh, we tested the markets here in Canada. So I guess you just have to look at it. Is the success worth the cost? Yeah. So at the time when I gave it up, I had... Uh, 20 or 30 frozen items, uh, 2,000 pierogies a month, over 100 different varieties of canning, over 100 different varieties of baked goods, and some experience under my belt of what I did want and what I did not want to do. And I think I, I chose the right, the right path. My life is a lot simpler now. <laughs> there is not a lot of monetary uh, life to it, that's for sure. But where I'm living, I don't need a lot. And that's what life is all about, enjoying what you have instead of striving for what you don't have. Enjoy what's around Enjoy the sounds of the birds, the fact that you're not ever going to have to drive in snow again. And enjoy the life you have while you have it. So, on that point, I'll sign off for episode two. And, um, gluten-free goal, Colleen Hunt, based in Panama. Thank you, and goodbye.